Welcome to Sky Team's People First with Morag Barrett. Welcome to this week's episode of People First. I'm excited to introduce my guest this week, who is a multi-passionate entrepreneur of what some would call a multi-hyphenate. And reminds me of my conversation with Sarah Beth Burke, whose book, More Than My Title, and who was a previous guest on this show, make sure to check out our conversation. In Robbie Samuel's case, this means he's a professional speaker, business growth strategy coach, virtual event design consultant, executive Zoom producer, MC, podcast author, virtual presentation skills trainer, and I know I'm probably leaving something out. We'll discover that in our upcoming conversation. But Robbie has been identified as a networking expert by Harvard Business Review, Forbes, and Inc., and is an industry expert in the field of digital event design by JDC Events. As a virtual event design consultant, he assists organizations with bringing their events strategically online with less stress and greater participation and engagement. And as a business growth strategy coach, he helps his clients discover likely prospects who already know, like, and trust them so that they stop struggling to launch their offer. Since 2016, he has hosted the On The Schmooze podcast. Love that word, On The Schmooze. And since March 2020, a weekly, no more bad Zoom virtual happy hour. I think we could all deal, do with that. So please join me in welcoming Robbie Samuels all the way from his home in the Philadelphia suburbs, TEDx speaker, HBR contributor, and a fellow Scrabble champion. Robbie, you and I are going to have to compare some of the two-letter words we know. At least he says he's a Scrabble champion in his own home. Welcome, Robbie. Thank you so much, Marag. I appreciate being here. <laughs> oh, my God, Scrabble. So that is my first and last thing every day. I know they say that you shouldn't look at your phone, but I have about nine or ten Scrabble games going on with wow. family and friends back in the UK and so there I am trying to make sure at the end of the day, I'm finishing my responsibilities so that when they get up, they can continue to play and vice versa. So Scrabble, love it. So how long have you been playing Scrabble? What's your well, your Scrabble story there, Robbie? My Scrabble story is that my wife and I became friends through Scrabble. Um, wow. So, so, and then Scrabble was one of the themes for our wedding uh, and these days we rarely have time. So we try to, we try to schedule a, uh, a game night monthly, which doesn't always happen. And Scrabble is not always the game we play, but, um, but yes, uh, meeting up regularly to play Scrabble for a year and a half, well, for like 12 times. And then we just started meeting up to do work. Mm, <laughs> we were like, nice. we don't really have time. We have to actually get work done, but that's how we became friends, um, before we started dating. And as soon as we started dating, we were making plans for the rest of our lives. So, ah. yeah. I love that. It's a story for the ages. Well, there you go. Well, as you know, Robbie, I start every episode with the same question, which is your origin story. So other than being a Scrabble champ, when you were a lad and at school, what did you dream that you wanted to be or would be doing as an adult? Well, it actually took me a while to understand that it was a job. I loved gathering people together. I loved hosting. I loved um, bringing people from all different friendship circles to one party. Um, I love sort of colliding different circles of friends and seeing what would happen. 
And it was only when I was wrapping up my college experience and thinking about whether or not to go to grad school that I was researching like what, what I want to do. And I read about community organizing and like, I just didn't actually fully, I mean, I was basically community organizing. I was running socials. I was running events. I was running groups, um, all through high school and college. I was inventing roles for myself. And I read this really slim volume at the career center. The one and only time I went <laughs> about, um, social work and oh. it said, you know, uh, getting an MSW, master's in social work, uh, would would be helpful for a uh, role as a community organizer, and so that is what I ended up doing, and really focusing on the the macro part of that, not the not the hang a shingle and and meet with clients, uh, but really the the thinking about how groups and organizations and and systems function or don't uh, mm-hmm. to serve us, and in some ways, I'm still very much tapping into all of that today. Um, it just, it's a, it's a while for me to understand that there was a job around event planning. Like I, that's kind of where I ended up initially. I didn't even know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I just loved doing this thing for like, you know, all these years. And I didn't understand that there was a whole industry of people who were doing that. So you and I have so much in common because that's the theme of my first book, Cultivate, and our new book that will be out in October 2022, which is all about the power of relationships. And in fact, you and I are talking today because of the power of relationships and networks, um, because we were introduced by a mutual uh, contact. And so tell me about your latest book. I know you've, you've published several. So the latest book is Small List, Big Results. That's so right. What's that all about? So basically, uh, prior to the pandemic, I was best known for my networking expertise that you were mentioning at the top of the show. I spent uh, a decade speaking. My talk was called Art of the Schmooze, which then led to the <laughs> podcast on the schmooze. I, uh, I did a, my first book was about networking at conferences. I launched a group coaching program. I did a TEDx on the topic. So I'm poised at the beginning of 2020 to finally be that overnight success 10 years or so in the making. And uh, basically all the things I'm known for, uh, eye contact, business cards, shaking hands, body language, no one needs that. And I'm trying to figure out, it was like March 9th through 11th, I'm trying to figure out like, well, how do I sort of show up and add value in this new realm uh, when we're all standing six feet apart (laughs) or more, uh, wiping down our groceries. So um, I wrote nine ways to network in a pandemic. And one of those ways was to host a virtual happy hour. So I decided to do that on March 13th, 2020, which is essentially the day everyone hit pause. Short mm-hmm. story is, while I never charged for that event, which I'm still hosting weekly, it led to several new revenue streams. I was able to grow a thriving six-figure business in eight months, uh, thriving enough that in 2021, we moved our family to uh, the Philadelphia suburbs to buy a beautiful home in a dream area that I never would have thought would be in our life. And the book, the new book, Small List, Big Results, in a lot of ways was trying to answer the question, Robbie, how did you do that? But more importantly, it shares how the reader can do it as well, because the, my secret to my success is that I'm a business growth strategist. So when when my business sort of like the bottom fell out and like everyone that happened to everybody, March 2020, I was also coaching on behalf of a company, a dozen entrepreneurs a week. And I was helping them through that experience. Mm-hmm. But when I started getting inquiries, people saying, hey, can I pick your brain? Can we have a coffee chat? Can you, can you, well, you seem like you know something about this Zoom stuff. Can you help me with this or this or that? Within weeks, I was like, wow, these are research calls. I could just, I could easily fill my calendar up with these social calls. And Mm -hmm. part of me as an expert kind of wanted to, because there were people I didn't have to feed. But 
I decided to turn them into research calls. And April 14th, I announced a pilot program for May and 15 people signed up $500 a piece, four weeks, four week program, immediately decided I was doing it again, right? Four months in a row. Um, you know, I sort of took action and mm -hmm. that led to companies wanting to hire me to bring their events online. And so one thing leads to another. And now I'm, I've got this like thriving virtual events side of things. And then now I'm sort of bringing to the forefront, um, not through a company anymore, but now through me, the idea of doing coaching and masterminds. Oh my goodness. Talk about seizing an opportunity <laughs> when people were feeling their, their foundations going wobbly with the pandemic. And as All you say, moving from business development and networking done face-to-face -face with a glass in one hand and balancing the appetizers in the other, Mm -hmm. We had to completely reinvent that experience. Right. So um, when you think about it, what was those, what did that research uncover for you? And what did you learn from doing your four week mastermind mm. series? Well, initially I'm, I'm a professional speaker. I'm part of the national speakers association. So a lot of the people I knew were just scrambling to figure mm -hmm. out how to, how to reinvent themselves in this moment where the virtual presentations was needed what I learned is that because I started hosting my own events and being asked to host, you know, it was pro bono offering to host other people's socials and stuff. I realized I had a lot of um, transferable skills and adjacent expertise. For instance, I had experience with online facilitation because I had run groups and masterminds online for years. I didn't realize until then that that was a skill, <laughs> Yeah, you know, that was an actual yeah. skill that people needed. So um, that is what led me to do the four week training. I ran it very much as a pilot. Um, I had sort of this, the skeleton of, of what I was an offer and it was based on what people needed. It was very hands-on. They had to do work. And by the third month, it became a certification program because people said, I need to have, sh I need to show, you know, that I I've done this. Um, I think it'll help me differentiate. And so I set a sort of an additional criteria for achieving that. And one thing I would mention, Marag, is that I didn't have anything about this on my website for the first 20 people who signed up and the price jumped. I mean, the, mm -hmm. the price jumped incredibly, right? 500 to to $1,000 to $1,500, like very, very quickly in a few months because it became more and more valuable, the content, what people could do with it. People launched businesses as Zoom producers. People were able to keep going as virtual presenters or something they'd always done on a stage. But for 20 people, there was no mention of my website. And for the next 20, there was a very rudimentary effort of a, of a homepage that I did. I'm not known for my web design skills. And so, you know, those 40 people who, who experienced that in 2020 did so because of their connections through me. Right. And that is what my new book is really explaining. Yeah. So, so it's interesting. So web design skills, you could add that as another hyphenate in the definitely, definitely not actually. <laughs> there comes a point when there, there are just too many hyphens in the list. Yeah. But this comes back to you were just about to start on that, the new book, Small List, Big Results. And your point with the first 20 and then the second cohort was that it wasn't about the big list. Right. It was about the personal connections and the referrals. So, so tell us more about the small list and how other entrepreneurs may ascribe blame to that for the reason why they struggle to find clients. We've all done it. I've done it. Uh, you know, you, you, you build something, you know, people need it. You, you know, mm -hmm. you're an expert. You're very clear. People need this. You're super excited to, to offer it. You're, you're pretty proud of your IP, your process, your seven steps, and you bring it to the market and the market goes, who are you? What is this? I don't need this. And it's just like, what? 
What, how, <laughs> and so you think, oh, it's because I don't have a big enough list. My list is too mm-hmm. small. But really, it's because you didn't really have conversations and get input from your likely prospects as you're building it. And so there's some, so some discrepancy, big or small, between what you've created and what people think they need because they're not fellow experts. So they don't understand the bigger problem. Their version of the problem is sort of this little P, little P problem awareness. And you're like, here's the big problem. And then you're like, I want to sell you this big solution. And when they see your big solution, it's like, it's like they're expecting a Band-Aid and you told them they need surgery. Like you're like, here's okay, the problem. Yeah. Fix. And they're like, no, I don't. What? So mm-hmm. I think that the smallest gets blamed, but the real important thing would be to build an audience before you you try to sell something and that audience might be from your email list but it also is definitely from your larger network there are people in your network who already know like and trust you who could be likely prospects well i think that's key i mean i talk about ally relationships in cultivate that know like and trust and that helps on the good days because we're having fun we collaborate we know who to call but it is critical in an environment like March 2020 or even beyond on the tough days, because those are the folks who know, like, and trust you who are going to step up and help you navigate that storm. Right. So going back to your comment there about building an audience before you create an offer and testing, oh, they think mm-hmm. they need a Band-Aid. I know they need surgery. How do I get them from A to B? How does one go about building the audience in advance? Well, the book really steps people through a process called Wake Up Your Network. And the idea is you take a list. It could be your your LinkedIn list, your Facebook list, your Instagram list. It could be your, your subscription email list. And you go through it and you identify first, the first column is, is a consider column is what I call it. Would they recognize your name? And would you be happy to hear from them out of the blue? That's hmm. second point is pretty critical. Would you be happy to hear from them? If yes, then put an X. And then once you've got, you know, I would suggest doing this in sort of 15 minute increments, like do 15 minutes, take it, you know, I'll do another 15 minutes, take a break, come back Mm -hmm. to it. But once you have about 200 people in that consider column, then the other columns are uh, connection, influence, Mm -hmm. interest, and total. So for each of the first three, it's a one, two, or three for their connection to you, their influence in the world, their interest in what you want to talk about. And then you add those up. And based on how people land in those, in those, then it's deciding to categorize them as either a likely referral partner, which might also be a fellow expert, a likely prospect, or a coffee chat, or you might be snoozing them and not reaching out to them at all for this time being. Okay. So it's again, prioritizing that 200 to something that you can then customize the offer yeah. or the ask. From the real goal here, Marag, is that in the next six to 12 weeks that you're going to reach out to 20 to 30 people, two thirds of whom are likely prospects. The other third, a, a mix of these referral folks or a few coffee chats. I think it's nice to have some coffee chats to reach. You know, you're looking forward to seeing them each month. You're going to have those calls mm-hmm. um, and those calls could lead to other things. But but it's also just, I think, gets our energy back up. Um, and then from there, from those research calls, understanding from the prospect's perspective, like what's the problem they think they're trying to solve for. And from the referral partner, particularly the fellow experts perspective, what's going on in the marketplace? Where are the holes? Um, I'm, you know, it's like if you talk to a ghostwriter and they say, I'm always asked for an editor in this one topic and I don't have anyone to send to. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I I know editors who work in these other genres, but I don't know anyone who works in this genre. And you're like, well, I love that genre. It's like, great. 
like I would love to send people to you. So that mm-hmm. that kind of understanding of like where where are the holes that people could be referring for an expertise you didn't even realize was yours until someone says, I need that. And you're like, I could do that. And that could be a way to test it. Just get the first, you know, somewhere between four and t- 12 people, you know, yeah. uh, eight, eight, eight people would be wonderful. But like, if you can get somewhere between four and 12 people to come experience something with you, and it, you know, it could be one-on-one for just a few people. It could be a group program, it could be a course. Um, it could be an app, like whatever you can do in sort of the minimalist way, just to test an idea and see, is this actually meeting their needs? So it's funny, my my colleague, Eric Spencer, wrote an article that's on LinkedIn, and I'll put the link into the show notes, a similar process um, in, co- in terms of managing the network, 2515, and it's about that regular cadence. And I can see that you've got that list of 200, you whistle it down to those critical few that you're going to reach out to. But you talk there about maybe having coffee meetings. Are you picturing here meeting these um, people one at a time or in small groups? Because I could see very quickly as that flywheel picks up, I could have endless cups of coffee. I'd be twitchier than a twitchy thing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the coffee chats, uh, these are all virtual in my book um, for the most part. I work globally, so I think of this virtually. It could be in person. Um, these calls, like I really like doing the research calls and the calls with referral partners online, particularly on Zoom, because Zoom allows you to enable uh, live transcription. So at the end, when you hit record and you enable the transcription, you get the transcript from Otter.ai built in for free right away. Remove that step entirely. And it's in that language that you really get the gold because um, in my book, I have an example. You create a program for women who are fatigued and you keep using the word fatigued over and over. You meet with 12 women. And not a single one of them uses the word fatigued, but Mm -hmm. eight of them say exhausted. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think it's time to change our language. So sometimes that's the reason for like having these calls. There's two reasons people don't have these calls. One, they are nervous. (laughs) They just don't know what they'd say. I would be bothering people. I haven't talked to this person in six years. So, So there's the angst. There's a lot of mindset. The other extreme are the people who know everything. They're the experts. They don't need to have these calls. They know their people. And I call that expert syndrome. And what they're missing is that they might be surprised and learn something. But even if they don't, these calls build a runway for an idea. If we had tens of thousands or 100,000 plus people on on an email list who were really into our content, well, we kind of own a fleet of helicopters. And we could, whenever we had an idea we wanted to try, we would just announce it. And Mm -hmm. a tiny, tiny percentage could say yes, and we'd still have enough people to test it. But those of us who don't have that, and by the way, small is in the eye of of you, right? Like some people are like, I have 5,000 and it's small. Some people say like, that would be huge. (laughs) So, so, you know, it's you decide. But the idea is that if you have a smaller list, these conversations are building the runway of interest and collaboration and people are getting buy-in. And even if they're not the right person, they're much more likely to refer you to somebody who might be because they feel like they really understand you. They trust you. They, they get it, which is the opposite of what most of us do. And even if we're writing a book, a lot of us write books in a vacuum. We create mm-hmm. content in a vacuum. We create our products and services in a vacuum, and then we announce it. So this is about being much more collaborative, but it's also a, a, a succinct 12 weeks. The idea is that for 12 weeks, you're going to turn this on and you're going to run through this process, but then you're going to spend 12 weeks running your pilot, assessing your pilot and figuring how to shift to the next thing. So it's not that you need to be at this pace year round, mm-hmm. 
But, you know, you will have this list to refer back to. You'll probably find your own cadence for how often you want to sort of nurture your network. But it's just, I think by the end of this, you'll get more comfortable doing it. You'll find your like your version of how to do how many times a month you want to make doing this. But there's so much richness in our network that we're just not tapping into. And I think that goes back to one of your earlier um, mistakes that all of us have made at different times. One is, is either my list is too small. Oh, they won't want to hear from me. They're so busy or I already know it. But what I like about your process is it chunks it down. And if I turn the mirror around, that whole, oh, they're busy, they won't want to hear from us, one of your very first questions were, pick out the people that you would love to hear from. So right. come on, right. if I would love to hear from you, there's an implication that you would probably be pretty chuffed to hear from me. And whether it goes anywhere or not, it's a deposit in that relationship bank account that's regenerated and reconnected with somebody maybe I haven't spoken to in a few years. Absolutely. So we we hesitate. Mm -hmm. We hesitate to do these things um, all the time, and you know they didn't call either. You know, well, <laughs> um, yes. but, You know, I don't know. I think about the difference that I think has shifted, and I wonder if you see this too, Marag. Um, prior to the pandemic, if you and I had met at a conference, and let's say we were all out to dinner, you were one of the people who got invited by a friend, and so I got to mm -hmm. meet you for the first time. We enjoyed each other, and but would we make plans to have talked between then and the following year? And then the following year, I would come to the back to the conference um, again. You know, you would maybe kind of wander in and maybe that year we would be like, oh, right, let's figure out. And maybe one time we would have a conversation in the year between. Now, mm -hmm. I feel like even if I met you in person, I'd be like, hey, let's do a coffee shot ne next month. Like, yes. I feel like the video component to me is enhancing the, 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 the repeat exposure. I feel like I have really gotten to meet more people with greater frequency of contacts since this pandemic began and now it's like a muscle thing um it just makes these relationships i mean obviously i love in person it's never going to go away but i do love the idea that i can build a, a really sincere deep connection with someone by meeting them repeatedly and so the, before you may not have had as many reasons to have touch points but you can now create the reasons you don't have to wait mm -hmm. for the conference to happen you can just decide to host something to gather people together and i want to get back to your first question the last question is about scale. Yeah, um, I did do one on one for quite a bit. Uh, and then for my new book, as I was kind of gearing up for the book led to a big year long offer. I actually hosted these two hour mastermind Q&A sessions, where I gave people access before the book was even out to the wake of your network workbook, which I have a whole toolkit that kind of accompanies as a bonus content. And I said, do this content. It's 100 bucks, come for two hours, small group of eight people, I'll answer your questions. And I ran that 10 times. That is also research. <laughs> mm -hmm. I literally have 10 documents where they typed in the questions they have. Plus mm -hmm. I have all the, all the video that I recorded of me answering their questions oh, live, right? So all of that is amplified research, but it's not easy to do that until you have a really good sense of who it is you're serving, which is why the one-on-one -on -one calls initially are so important. Have that avatar and your reader in mind. And going back to your comment about relationships, I've heard that people say, well, you can't build a relationship through the camera. And it, it is different, but I think after two years of flexing that model, uh, a muscle rather, most of us have got over the, oh my God, the chin and where am I looking and stuff. But to your point, it increases access. You're in Philadelphia. I've not been to Philadelphia yet. 
So who knows when we're going to meet in three dimensions, but here we are because Hope Timberlake introduced us. Watch her episode from January 2022. And I know we also have a mutual connection in Dory Clark and many others because I'm also in the National Speakers Association. It's a really small world, and it goes back to your point. We just need to change our mental definition of what nurturing a relationship looks and feels like in this environment. And actually, the world is now our oyster because of this. Yep. And it's powerful. It's powerful stuff. So help me understand. So for people listening, thinking, well, okay, I've got an offer, or maybe I'm in the sales organization of a company and I'm having to redefine how I get the offer out from the company I work for. What are some of the actions that the people listening and watching this episode can take, whether it's small business or large business? Well, as particularly as people are getting started with a new idea, um, I, I primarily seem to attract people who are who are still trying to figure out product market fit, and and then sort of once they do lead generation, um, and often don't even know those terms. <laughs> like that's just they're just living through the experience of that. And so when when you're really trying to test something, you just need people to test it with you. And, you know, I think some people think, oh, I should do Facebook ads. I should do a huge survey. I should, you know, blast social media with things. Well, why not just talk to 20 people in your network and from that find four, five, Mm -hmm. six who are willing to go on this ride with you and experience it with you and give you great feedback for a discounted price that they'll never get again. And I also like the idea that when you iterate to, to the larger version, because I think a pilot, you know, four or five, six weeks could be enough to give people a taste of what they could experience with you. I, I like to then apply the pilot price that they paid towards whatever the next iteration to encourage them to continue the journey with you. Right. And they, they then continue to join. They then refer people in. And that's how, you know, you eventually the flywheel piece you were saying, eventually you need maybe a learning management system or, or, or a landing page or a website. But initially, all that stuff is just clutter. And, and so what I would suggest is try not to, to bog yourself down or get in your own way. If I had focused 2020 on building a website about virtual events, I wouldn't have served anybody because I, mm-hmm. I just, I wouldn't even, first of all, I wouldn't even known what content to put on there. I wouldn't have had enough stories to understand who I was serving, but I was able to, in that very tumultuous year, I worked nonstop. I had two days off, Father's Day and Thanksgiving, and Thanksgiving ends in a G, so it doesn't count because I work every day that ends in Y, it seems. But so (laughs) for me, it was just like, okay, if I can kick myself out of the way and focus on the needs of these people and how I bring value into the world, that, that I think is important to just not make this too difficult for yourself and to believe that I have a belief that 80% of, of the people you need to know to be successful, you've already met. 80% okay. of the people you need to know to be successful, you already met. And that's followed by a belief that relationships are the answer to any business or life challenge. We could throw money at a problem, make it worse. But if we can reach out to people, we'll either get help from them, get a referral from them or get a lending, a shoulder to lean on (laughs) because sometimes that's what we need is a sounding board. And so that's always, always going to be where I I go first before I spend tons of money. I have made all the mistakes. I bought the learning management system before I had a course and paid for it for a year. It's like, I think that particularly for entrepreneurs, we think we need all these accoutrements to feel like a professional entrepreneur. And if we could really do some inventory about all the things we're paying for and whether or not we're using them, we will really be surprised that we're not, at, we're not leveraging these mm-hmm. resources entirely. And we could minimize those costs while leveraging our network instead. 
So I love, as you know, the relationship piece. And you, I like that idea of we know at the 80, we've met 80% of the people that we need yeah. in order to be successful. It's just how to tap into it. So I'm going to put you on the spot here. As you think about your latest journey, small list, big results, who's one person that comes to mind? One of the relationships of your 80% who's had an impact in helping you to navigate and achieve success from that. Who is it and what is it about what they did that makes them come to mind? Well, you know, it's interesting. The person who came to mind just now is my friend Christopher uh, Johnson, who actually um, I, I created an engagement rubric to track people's engagement in my book launch and my program launch. Um, he actually like two thirds of the way through that process said, Robbie, you know, I'm going to be with you next year. And I hadn't even announced exactly what the offer was or announced the price. He just kept hearing me sort of mention it. And I said, mm -hmm. awesome, we should schedule a time to talk about that. And then we finally did schedule a call and we sort of talked about what it was, what it could be, what he needed. And uh, he was like, yeah, I'm totally in. And I said, okay, what questions do you have? He goes, so what, what is the price? <laughs> and I told him, he goes, okay, that it's a little more than I was expecting, but I think you're right. I think that's what it is. And I've since added more value, more resources, more, more structure. But he said yes first because he was at the point of his um, business launch that he was like, I have all these skills. I have all these possibilities. I have all these connections and I don't want to waste time trying to figure out what I could actually sell. Now, he is a person who already worked with me through that four-week training program, mm -hmm. became a certified virtual event professional. I subcontract work to him to support my clients, right? He comes regularly to my weekly No More Bad Zoom virtual happy hour, which is how we met. So he gets a lot of value from that. He's met tons of people from that. I, he just uh, hosted a live with one of our other members. So, so he's a person that is a great example. And what's so interesting about this is that prior to understanding who he was in the world, my demographic, not psychographic, my demographic of an ideal client was an entrepreneurial woman in her 50s or beyond looking to grow her impact or income, impact and income through some kind of new revenue stream, probably a one to many and feeling like she was starting over again and didn't have time to waste and didn't didn't fully realize or appreciate the network she had built up for 20 or 30 years. I now have a psychographic, thanks to Christopher, that helps me realize that it is not just tied to a specific gender, although it is seems to be predominantly that gender that is attracted to what I'm doing because you know they get what I'm doing and it meshes. But there are people like Christopher who are coachable, who want to learn, who mm -hmm. have that deep desire to serve and who feel like their talents are not being fully utilized. And so I, I appreciate him because I think by his showing up consistently, it has it has really expanded like what I think I can do and who I can help. And uh, and he is one. I I I had three people sign up for a five figure program in 2022, and that three people came from 35 people being live at a three three session training, and a total of 70 watching or being live watching the replay. So, you know, incredible conversion rate, um, small list, right? Small list, $50,000 in revenue, small list. So it's a book launch into a program. And now I'm creating a 12-week version to help people figure out their that process to get to the pilot. And that's actually mm -hmm. a module in the year-long program. And so just like keep listening, keep iterating. I, I appreciate so many of the people who came on my launch team and just by their showing up and asking questions, I got to learn and... And just that—that that is what makes the difference as an entrepreneur, not being in a vacuum trying to create this. Not being a vacuum. Um, so I'm celebrating Christopher on your behalf, but also just Robbie. You're an example of in our in our next book, one of the first chapters is about abundance and generosity. 
and that whole sharing of our expertise so that Chris could then take it elsewhere. But he's also benefiting because now there's that trust and experience where you can um, uh, bring him in and refer him to clients. And that's how we all learn and grow together. It's powerful. So I I know you've put together a custom resource for the listeners of this particular episode. So tell us more about what we're going to find in that. So that'll be at robbysamuels.com forward slash morag. And it's called the Big Results Toolkit. And what it is, is a, it's a series of resources to help you implement the strategies in smallest big results, including the Wake Up Your Network workbook, which mm-hmm. really walks you step by step. Um, it includes the um, problem, uh, Analyze Problem Language workbook. And these are sections of the book, but because it's a tool, this is a ver- this is a very quick read. In fact, I'll, this is a very quick read. This is a, this is not a, this is a, you know, read in one plane ride. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and yet it's a book. Someone said it's a quick read. I'll be referring back to for 10 years because it's the book that has challenges and action steps to take. So the workbook allows you to do that now, do it in six months, do it in a year and a half, do it in four years. And cause your answers are going to keep shifting. Um, there is some stuff in there about how to manage your time and your schedule and your calendar. Um, the book is not about the, the, the misnomer here is that people think it's about email. It has nothing to do with email. There is nothing about lead magnets or email sequences or freebies or anything. It's about how do you build your list? But the people that I'm trying to reach think the reason they're having trouble selling is the size of their email list. And that is why the subtitle attracts them in. The book then teaches them the bigger problem and gives them a different solution. Okay. Robbie, how can people learn more about you and the work that you're doing? Thank you so much. Uh, RobbieSamuels.com is sort of the catch-all for all my multi-passionate projects. Uh, NoMoreBadZoom.com is the event I host every Friday at 5 Eastern. And then you can get the Big Results Toolkit again at RobbieSamuels.com forward slash Morag. If you like podcasts, I guess you do. You're listening. I host the On The Schmooze podcast on the schmooze make sure that you subscribe and give a review both to this episode but also to robbie's robbie thank you for being a guest on people first i've thoroughly enjoyed our conversation and i look forward to our second date pleasure thank you so much for joining morag today if you enjoyed the show please like and subscribe so you don't miss a thing if you learn something worth sharing share it cultivate your relationships today when you don't need anything before you need something Be sure to follow Sky Team and Morag on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And if you have any ideas about topics we should tackle, interviews we should do, or if you yourself would like to be on the show, drop us a line at info at skyteam.com. That's S-K-Y-E team.com. Thanks again for joining us today. And remember, business is personal and relationships matter. We are your allies.